Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to The Angel with Michael Conniff. We are a podcast devoted to the money side of entrepreneurship, founders, and startups. And um, uh, we are, as you know, a companion podcast to The Accelerator on all the major podcast platforms, Audible, Apple, Amazon, and so on. Also on Spotify and YouTube, uh, if you're looking for audio and video, make sure to like us, recommend us, subscribe to us, and definitely look for our newsletter uh, on Substack. Uh, we have one that includes both the Accelerator and the Angel. Today, I am really excited uh, to uh, welcome to the podcast, uh, Ben Garland. Welcome, Ben. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be part of it. And Ben is um, has uh, kind of an amazing background. Um, he, was, uh, uh, he is a graduate of the U.S. Mil- US Air Force Academy um, and also an NFL player for um, 11 seasons at three different franchises. Let me see if I get it right. Denver Broncos, San Francisco 49ers and Atlanta Falcons. No. Um, and what's, uh, what's really, uh, intriguing now is he's, he's, um, um, uh, has his own company called wingman 63. That's dedicated to, um, doing good, doing great things and also helping people. Um, but he's a really sophisticated and sharp investor. And uh, I want to I want to sort of figure out how that journey happened um, along the way, and 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 I just think it's fascinating. But one thing I do want to mention up front about Ben Garland is um, he was twice nominated uh, for the Walter Payton um, Award in the NFL, which is really, um, as I understand it, a community service award. You really have to do a lot to get that. <laughs> you have to work hard. Um, and you did it twice. Uh, where, where did that happen? Was that which team was that with? Uh, I got nominated by both the Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons for their Walter Payton Man of the Year award. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That that sort of um, that really says a lot. Plus many many other other awards that are really too numerous to mention. But uh, I think Wizard White is in there too, as I recall. And he, like you, you're coming. You're, you're coming. Uh, you're in uh, Colorado. Um, and he was, of course, a Colorado man himself. Um, but, but Ben, um, tell me when it was in your NFL career or even your Air Force career, your Air Force education, where you realized you were interested in finance and sort of figuring out how the world worked in that way. Yeah, ever since I was a little kid, I was fascinated by the stock market and investing and building businesses and Definitely at the Air Force Academy is where I got my real start at that. Um, you're lucky enough to participate in a program your junior year where you get a loan. At, at my time, it was $30,000 at almost zero interest for the first about five years or so. And it just gives you the opportunity to really set your ground and begin to invest. I also lucked out because based on the time that I was given those funds at the Air Force Academy was right at the lowest point after that crash. So getting getting that right around that 2008, 2009 time period, I mean, it didn't really matter what you invested in, you were going to do well. And it's always nice when you jump into something early and you feel like you're successful at it, it kind of inspires you to dig in deeper. And so that was definitely my first taste of it. Um, but even throughout through my NFL career, I was lucky enough to be nominated for the NFL PA to be a union rep for the some of the teams I was a part of. And a part of that aspect, I got to be on the player advisory board for Players Inc., which is kind of the investing arm of our union. 
and getting to see those deals from an early onset and kind of dive into what they're doing at a you know major Fortune 100 level was extremely fascinating and exciting and a, a great dip into the area for me. What did you do with that thirty thousand dollars? <laughs> I put it into mutual funds. Uh, <laughs> various sectors. And uh, as of now, I definitely would not do that with my money. But uh, back then, it was what I thought was best and uh, what I went with. What would you do now if you had 30, if you were getting started with $30,000? Uh, if I was just getting started, I, I do think a similar concept, I'd go more in ETF just because of the fees. I, I don't think mm -hmm. just putting your money in something that's going to track the S&P 500 and allow you to kind of ride that. I mean, a lot of people think that's the easiest, safest way to kind of grow alongside and just kind of dip your toe in. Definitely diversify yourself over some of the largest companies and make it easy with pretty low fees. I think that's way better than a financial advisor in a lot of sense. And, and so I'm, I'm very curious about how this evolved during your NFL career. So we all know that um, painfully so in some cases that an NFL career is not going to last forever. You were a lineman. The 63 was your number obviously, right? Yep. Um, and you were an offensive lineman, right? Do I have that right? I played offensive line and defensive line and even had a couple plays at fullback and tight end. Oh, is that right? That's, that's great. Um, what, did you, what did you learn, um, first of all, from the Air Force that you take into this, uh, this, this part of your, this newer part of your life, more recent part? I, I think the Air Force teaches you a lot of things and uh, there's a lot of cool uh, parallels between the military and the NFL, just in what they create, and especially within the team environment. But the Air Force was definitely really a great teacher in the sense of time management, being able to take on a lot of tasks and prioritize and time box that into a manner that really helps you out. And so that's helped me a lot over my career because I seem to take on a lot, but I've really enjoyed every aspect that I take on. And the due diligence and the hard work um, aspect, I think, is very helpful, especially within this investment piece and trying to put your money in the right spot and with the right people. And to me, a lot of that, too, is getting it with the right people, getting it with the right team, because there's so many investment vehicles that are the exact same. But at some point, you got to kind of bet on the jockey and finding the right people with the right track records to put your money with. So I don't want to dwell too much on the football. I'm sure at a certain point you get you get a little bit sick of talking about it. But but allow me allow me one or two more questions. So, um, did you find uh, you were an outlier because of your interest in finance, or at that time, and you just retired recently, a couple of years ago? Um, when when you were a player, to, let's talk about toward the end of that time. Did you find that people, um, your your uh, contemporaries, your teammates? were really trying to under obviously they're thinking about the future right so to, how do how do how do you do that when you're an NFL player you've sort of always been you know the uh the great american hero on your teams uh maybe literally at the air force um and now you're going into a, something where people it's being an NFL player will certainly help get you in the door but it's not going to solve all your problems so was it was it something you saw your teammates really struggling with or what percentage of them kind of embrace that that idea yeah i mean you, you see it from the entire spectrum and uh they, they say before you get to the nfl it stands for the nfl when you're in the nfl it stands for not for long and when you're done with the nfl it stands for no funds left 
And it's, <laughs> it's not true. Okay. Um, but, but you saw the whole mix. I mean, there was a group of guys. And I think the trend is definitely going in a better direction from the end of my career than the beginning of my career. We're guys, we're passionate about this space and really trying to be intelligent about protecting their assets, investing in the right things. Um, but you saw the full spectrum. I mean, I knew guys even at the end of my career who didn't believe in banks, didn't believe in investments. They held all their money in cash and just that's all they knew. And then you also saw guys on the terrible end of the spectrum who were investing, but they're investing in such risky stuff where, you know, a friend mm -hmm. comes to them saying, promising a thousand X over a very short amount of time and they lose all their money. And it's sad to see that as well. And then there's also that entire group of savvy investors. And I'm lucky enough to be a part of a few of those groups where these guys really are taking advantage of their platform and being able to get that type of assets on early. But like you said, it's, it's difficult. I mean, you come into a lot of money as a professional athlete, but not because of understanding finances in any way. And everything coaches and teams tell you is 100% of your thought needs to be focused on ball. And in a lot of sense, it does. I mean, if you are distracted in any way, I mean, there's another entire batch of all Americans and the best in the world coming to take your job and they're right. younger and cheaper than you. So from a business perspective, which the NFL is, if they can find someone cheaper than you who can do the job about the same, you are gone as fast as possible. Huh. And what, what, um, I assume you had some cash to invest as a player. What, what I'm asking this only because I think it's public record, but what, what was your highest salary as a lineman in the NFL? I think, uh, 2.75 million. Okay. So that's, that's real money. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a great salary. Uh, you had to, you know, play, pay in blood, sweat and tears for that, I'm sure. But what so when you when you were looking at what to do with that money, um, how did you deploy it? I, I, I definitely took an approach of diversification. Um, my concept was I wanted the highest return with the lowest amount of risk. And so, uh, and I was also very savvy of like kind of what fees were going on along with that as well. And so looking into placing my money in different pots, I put a lot into equities. Um, I put a lot, I put some into real estate. Uh, I, I definitely diversified it from everything from commodities to a little, a little bit of everything. And it worked out okay for me, but I think I'm continuing to become more sophisticated with what I'm doing and growing in what I'm building on that now. And what, how would you describe what you're doing now? Like what, what, what are you, what are you trying to, to create? I, I want to create a legacy of generational wealth. I want my family to be able to be financially free. And I really want to be able to pass on that financial literacy to others. I think I grew up in such a sense. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money growing up and a lot of my understanding around certain things. I mean, even debt, I mean, debt was terrifying to me as a kid growing up, I was like, I knew we were poor and I knew that was like an evil thing. But now I'm learning that taking the correct debt in the right situation can really accelerate your wealth uh, in a great way. Um, so just kind of learning more is kind of my goal and bringing on other players, bringing on my family along that way as well. And helping them. So, so um, what what does that mean in practice? How 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 are you spending your your time as an investor, and how are you also leveraging your past as a as a player? Yeah, I'm definitely leveraging my past as a player. I think because of being a player, 
it allows me to get into some doors that I otherwise wouldn't able to get into. Um, and so I'm making sure to use that um, kind of social capital in a sense of getting myself into those doors and bringing along other players, which both leverages my social capital and amplifies in a sense of not only is Ben going to come along, who's a former player, but he's bringing in other current players and former players. And that gets us in the room with, you know, some billionaires. Uh, we're, we're millionaires um, trying to play in the billionaire game. And I think we have a rare opportunity to use our name, image, and likeness to get into deals that are much better. And we all know, like, the higher you go, the better the deals become. And we just want to get a part of them, be a part of them. So what would be a couple of examples you can tell us about that, that things you've gotten, you've invested in? I've invested into some multifamily real estate, some commercial properties. I've done some uh, VC investing, a little bit of PE as well, um, a lot of equity stuff. Um, I own some equity in a few different companies and obviously including my own that I've created. Um, but also just trying to find areas that I believe that I can add value in. And areas that I'm also passionate about. So um, one of the places I'm working with now is called Valhalla Capital. And what I love about what they're doing is providing, you know, a cheaper way to find, get money for founders. And being a founder myself, you saw how difficult it is to raise capital in a lot of senses. And I love that they're offering a cheaper option as well as providing additional resources like fractionalized C-suites for those founders that don't haven't totally mastered all the aspects they need to really grow and scale. And um, um, so you mentioned um, you, you've, you've done some VC, some VC uh, investments. What, what is your sweet spot or what are you, what are you really looking for before you, you put your money on the table? I'm looking for a few things. Uh, in, in one sense, I think it's where I, I like to investing is kind of like fishing sometimes. I mean, where you're putting your rod in the water can be a very big difference. And so I want to make sure that the area that they're investing into is one that is going to be long lasting, sustainable, it's going to continue to grow and also falls along with my values. So stuff like national security is very important to me. And at the same mm -hmm. time, it's like instead of fishing in a pond, you're fishing in the ocean. I mean, there's a lot better opportunities, bigger contracts sustainable, less risk by having the government back some of these contracts. And so partnering with a company that is not only going to grow and be sustainable for a long period of time, give me great returns, but also help the country, which I'm also extremely passionate, obviously serving in the military currently as a major, being able to support the men and women on the front lines and make sure that they have the greatest technology to protect themselves. That's extremely passionate to me. And so that's mm -hmm. where I love to put my money as well is to find a place where I can get the returns and put it into something that I care about. And um, have you always felt that way? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the best way to vote is with your dollar and find mm -hmm. the ways to vote with the things you care about, the things you believe in, and especially the things that you think are going to be around for a long time and that you want to be around for a long time. So there's um, an element of patriotism in that, isn't there? Absolutely. And I think that if more people looked at their investments in that way of not only what kind of returns can I get and how can I de-risk this, but also 
what kind of impact am I going to make? And there are so many ways in this world where you can truly better the world while at the same time doing business better. I mean, even playing for guys like getting to play for the Atlanta Falcons, I loved working with that owner and seeing the way he worked. I mean, you can see what he's implemented both when he worked on Home Depot, but always being the top of giving back to the community as much as they can, but creating an incredible business model out of that. I mean, I was there whenever he built the new stadium and seeing some of the elements that he did where he lowered concession prices down to something affordable so that families showed up. And a lot of people were mad at him when he did it, but the end result was not only could people afford food when they attended games, but he ended up way crushing it on the back end as top line revenue. He sold way more and made way more money just by making it at an affordable price. And that's Arthur Blank you're talking about, the yes. the, the owner of the Falcons. Um, did you find yourself in conversations with him about him in particular, and maybe some of the other owners that, that you know, um, uh, teams you worked with, did you find yourself in those conversations? Could you go to him and say, could you go to Arthur Blank and say, hey, you know, I'm trying to figure out what to do with, you know, my investments, um, what's going to be next? Or was that a bridge too far? Yeah, that I, I never personally did that, but mm -hmm. his door was always open. Um, and I was lucky enough to play for three incredible owners and all three of them were extremely accessible. I mean, but Arthur Blank personally uh, would give out his cell phone number, his personal cell phone number to players. Mm -hmm. When I was with the 49ers, the owner would message you after a game and see how mm -hmm. you're doing. And so you did in some senses have that accessibility. I don't think I ever took advantage of it. Um, I was always afraid of losing my job or overstepping my bounds, but I don't think by any means they would have been mad about it. And I think it probably would have been a great move because they were extremely open and willing to help and wanted to help. You you were there. I um, It's fair to say for sort of the, maybe the beginning um, of um, salary inflation in the sense that, um, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes signing a 10 year deal for something like 45 million a year. Um, now we're looking at, NBA players that are going to be getting, you know, $80 million a year, a hundred, maybe a hundred million dollars a year. Um, that's generational wealth in one season. <laughs> you know, I mean, talk about a pile of money. Um, so what do you, what do you say to, I mean, I mean, this, I would, I would think is a real problem. Um, um, but also obviously a fantastic opportunity for those people. But they have to sort of become different people, don't they, um, than what they grew up doing? All you know, you you said that single-minded focus on the sport. Now all of a sudden, you know, you can do deals with Netflix, and you can do podcasting deals, and you can do brand deals, and and all kinds of things. So, how how um, I'm I'm kind of curious. Is Wingman sixty three your company? Are you are you involved in any of that? Are you sort of shepherding that in any way? We we are shepherding that in some senses. Um... I was proud to be able to start Wingman 63 and for how much success we've had, uh, especially doing what we're doing. But we believe in content for a cause and we have direct relationships with these talent. I mean, I was lucky enough over my career to make some incredible friends and my business partner as well has made some incredible connections in the music industry and a lot of other areas. And so in some senses, we've been able to come to our friends, knowing them through a personal relationship 
pairing them with companies that are doing the right thing and building stuff around that. I mean, one of the great examples, I mean, Kyle Juszczyk is, in my opinion, the greatest fullback in the NFL. And in that sense, we also were able to partner him with the state of California for a campaign working with anti-littering. And Kyle's passion, I mean, he's, one of his pet peeves is uh, when someone litters. And so you can take somebody. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, you can find those. You can find those places. I mean, and it comes across so yeah. much more genuine in the content. Whenever, yeah, he definitely cares when someone litters, and he's passionate yeah. about it. But we're able to find a place where we can pay him, and at the same time, he gets to make an impact in an area he cares about. And on the back end, the government gets an incredible spokesperson who truly emulates what they want. As we've been yeah. found a very and successful. Of he, Go ahead. And of course, he has that. Uh... That other, um, that other rare trait of having gone to Harvard and being in the NFL. <laughs> oh, and he's absolutely brilliant. He, he's definitely one of the brilliant minds in the league yeah. that the players get to look up to in a lot of ways, both his work ethic, uh, what he does with his money, the way he leverages his brand, and what, what he's done for his family. Yeah, and uh, he's, he's like one of the only fullbacks left, right? He's kind of in a position that doesn't really exist in, 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 for the most part. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they're, they're definitely dwindling in that sense, but uh, yeah. I think I'll be around for a long time, no matter what. So, so um, um, if you were to look when you were a player and, and if you were to look ahead or think ahead, rather, do you, do you think you would be surprised by where you are today? Cause you're still, you know, you're still really young. You're in your thirties, I assume. Right. Yep. Yeah. And would you be surprised by what you're doing now? Uh, I think in some senses, if you would ask me when I was younger, I would be um, just in the exact areas where I am. But at the same time, I think a lot of players are getting smarter about leveraging their brand while playing in order to create that sustainable business and life afterwards. And a lot of guys are being smart about getting equity into companies within some of these deals, leveraging that in a sense to really accelerate and to build them a foundation for their career afterwards. So what would it, you said you're, you're doing a lot of pairing companies with athletes. So, um, and athletes are, are, um, are not just asking for, a fee necessarily they're 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 maybe just as likely uh in some cases to ask for equity as well how how do you how do you balance that out is that is that becoming sort of more a more typical um way things are arranged yeah i think uh lebron james was definitely at the forefront of creating that for a lot of people when he made some of his first moves and built his own company um mm -hmm. and he represented in that sense but I think because of leaders like that, it's becoming more and more of an ability for players down the line to get those deals and to create an entire another ecosystem of guys being able to, you know, get equity in a company that they could use their name, image, and likeness to really accelerate that company's brand. And I think it's powerful on both sides because instead of just getting a spokesperson that you paid a one-time fee for, you have a spokesperson that is an owner who's going to continue to sell this and promote it in such a way their entire career because they have, you know, a stake in it. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different dynamic. Um, uh, I have to ask you, I apologize for asking this, but of course I have to ask you about 
Travis Kelsey and um, and uh, what's her name? Um, <laughs> Taylor Swift. Um, but I just I just uh, read that uh, Travis Kelsey had picked up um, a million, basically a million Instagram followers in like a week or a couple days, um, and that the ratings, uh, NFL ratings, are way up. Um, uh, when Taylor Swift is at the game, <laughs> um, and obviously those are new, you know, mostly new new viewers, right? Not not necessarily people. Did that surprise you when that happened? I mean, I think that she what an incredible star she is, and she's always giving back so much to the community and really built a brand like no other. So, not a complete yeah. surprise when something like that happens. Uh, in some sense, I think they've gone a little bit overboard of focusing on some of those aspects. Um, but it's an entertainment business and that is something people care about. Um, so if they're going to get viewers out of it, they're going to market it as much as they can to make sure they get every penny out of it that they can. And they've been successful. I mean, you saw Travis's Jersey sales are up, um, viewers are up. And so I think as a major business, they're going to take advantage of anything they can see like that. Sure. So, so, um, if you, in, in wearing your hat as somebody who, who, um, has a lot of experience pairing athletes with companies or athletes with deals. What, what would you, I don't know if you know, Travis Kelsey, but what would, what would your advice to him be in terms of like, this is like the thing that we can all agree upon is like these moments in popular culture, like he's experienced with experiencing with Taylor Swift, you know, they're, they're, they're a lightning storm. They're a thunderstorm. They just sort of come and boom. And then, you know, um, you move on. I was just watching an old interview with Jim Carrey right after he got famous. It's like, you know, one week he's walking up the street. Nobody, nobody knows who he is. The next he can't walk up the street. So what would your advice be to, to him um, about leveraging his brand? Like right now, you know, right now and moving forward, he's 33, I think. So he's sort of toward the tail end of his career. Yeah. What a great family. I got to know Travis a little bit and I definitely think this gives him an even larger platform and another even bigger opportunity in that sense. I mean, he already created such a great brand for himself anyways, but it definitely allows him that chance to, he's got a little bit more power in negotiations. And so if I was him, I would definitely take advantage of that and go to places that he genuinely cares about companies that definitely hit home to what he believes in and that are true to his brand, get equity in those companies, get revenue shares and, be able to boost something that he is genuine about so that no matter what happens or where it goes, it's still something that is true to him because he's going to get lots of deals. Pass on the ones that are not aligning with him, but definitely take the ones that work well with his brand and what he wants to create and then use that negotiating power that he has right now to get the best possible deal for him and his family. So as an athlete, we've got a couple minutes left. Um, Ben, I think of you as kind of a role model because you've made the transition, right? You've done this quite well. Um, and you've done it in a very interesting way, and you've done it in a way that's consistent with your values. What would your um what would what should other other athletes, not just athletes, but other other people take from from your example? What do you, what do you think is at the core of it? I think knowledge is power. That's written on a statue at the Air Force Academy, but Whatever is that you, right? I yeah, don't know. Whatever, is that... Yeah. Whatever wow. you care about or wherever you want to go, I, learn about it. Learn the vocabulary. 
I think that's one of the things that's been very beneficial to me. Anything that I'm interested in, learn the basic terms. Because as you have these conversations, I mean, if you're missing one or two words in a paragraph, it can make the paragraph very confusing. So learning the basic terms and just soaking up, soaking up as much knowledge as possible. And then I've got a very optimistic attitude of like about abundance and where people are. I mean, if you ask for help, so many people are willing to help you. Find a mentor where you so want to go. So ask for help. Absolutely. And I think as a, as, a, as, a, as a man, as an athlete, as just a human in general, it is sometimes tough to be vulnerable enough to say that I don't know, but ask for help, ask questions. And people are going to want to take you under their wing. They're going to want to help grow you, build you, just be genuine about it. Let people know what your goals and dreams are and that you're willing to work, learn and work for it. And I think a lot of people will come alongside, grab you. And uh, the wingman, the wingman, I'm I'm sorry, I was going to say the the wingman metaphor is great for that because you're not, you know, you're not maverick, right? You're the wingman. You're the person who makes it happen, makes the success happen. But you hit on a couple of my favorite themes. One is that language is really important. I learned this in in the online uh, technology world starting in 1980, is that if once you mastered the language of it, you actually mastered the subject because there was no difference. You had to know what what things meant. So I, th- I think that is really, really on the button. Um, and I want to remind our viewers, you've been listening to The Angel with Michael Conniff. Uh, we're a podcast devoted to the money side of things, entrepreneurs, startups, founders, roll-ups, um, and the like. Um, we have the companion podcast, The Accelerator, which is really focused closely on entrepreneurs and founders and startups. Um, rate us, like us, um, leave a comment. Um, but uh, we appreciate your following us on all the major platforms. And um, today I want to thank uh, wholeheartedly uh, Ben Garland. Um, the, I, I guess I could say the uh, famous offensive lineman, but that's a bit of an oxymoron. <laughs> but we could, maybe we'll say the famous investor someday, right? Oh well, yeah. I mean, we're, we're proud of where we've gone with wingman 63 and um, yeah. I'm excited what the future holds. Well, thanks so much. Really appreciate it, Ben. And best of luck uh, in all you're doing. Thank you. And uh, thank you all for listening. And remember, we'll be back with another podcast before you know it.